Uh, last week we went over, we're in John 4, and I think we went through verse 10 last week. So we're going to read, uh, let's go ahead and read through verse 14. Uh, I'll read out of the ESV for all the people that said, you said we were going to go in the ESV and then start reading in the King James again. Sorry. Now, when Jesus learned that the Pharisees had heard that Jesus was making and baptizing more disciples than John, although Jesus himself did not baptize but his disciples, he left Judea and departed again for Galilee. And he had to pass through Samaria. So he came to the town of Samaria called Sychar, near the field that Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there. So Jesus, wearied as he was from his journey, was sitting beside the well. It was about the sixth hour. A woman from Samaria came to draw water. Jesus said unto her, Give me a drink. For his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, How is it that you, a Jew, ask for a drink from me, a woman of Samaria? For the Jews have no dealings with the Samaritans. Jesus answered and said unto her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that is saying to you, Give me a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. And that's where we left off last week. We're going to get all of four more verses in here, okay? The woman said unto him, Sir, you have nothing to draw with. And the well is deep. Where do you get that living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob? He gave us the well and drank from it himself, as did his sons and his livestock. And Jesus said unto her, Everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks the water that I will give him will never thirst again. The water that I shall give him will become in him a spring of water welling up unto eternal life. Let us pray. Father God, we ask that you would bless the reading of your word. Lord, we ask that you would give us eyes to see, ears to hear, and hearts that would receive this message this morning. God, we pray that you would help us to rightly divide your word of truth. Lord, I pray that you would make it a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path that we might hide its contents in our heart, that we might not sin against you. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Now, last week we ended with the whole premise of the living water. We, last week I titled last week's message Living Water because we focused on verse 10, the fact that this woman was so confused about the water and the well and the, she was stuck where most of us get stuck in the natural. Amen? Now, I want to just give you a review. Last week we saw that Jesus was genuinely human, right? He was wearied with his journey and he sat down by the well and he was tired. Amen? Now, it's a, it's a good day's walk from uh Jerusalem back to Galilee, okay? It's, it's a good day's walk. But he was tired, and it was about the sixth hour, or noon, right? It's about noon when he sat down by the well. 
We also saw that Jesus' journey to Samaria was providential. It says that he must needs go through Samaria. Now, we talked about the fact that he didn't have to go through Samaria. Now, he could have went across the Jordan River, went all the way up, and then came back into Galilee and skipped through Samaria. Didn't have to go through Samaria. Matter of fact, many Jews would have done just that so they didn't have to go through Samaria and become ceremonially unclean and have to wait seven days to go worship again. Okay? But Jesus didn't do that. He said, I have to go through Samaria. Why? Because he had to meet this woman. He had to meet this Samaritans. He had to come and save those who would believe. Amen? That was his purpose. Right? The Son of Man came to seek and to save that which is lost, the Bible says. Amen? So he had to go there. Not only does it say he had to go there, that gives the indication that Jesus is not just you know, flying around by the seat of his pants, okay? A lot like me and Trey do. We'll fly around by the seat of our pants. But Jesus didn't do that. He knew what he was doing. He knew where he was going, amen? He knew what his purpose was, and he knew he had to go there because he knew this woman was there. He knew them people was there. And if anybody's cold, you can turn the air conditioner up a little bit, okay? I'm sorry if it's freezing cold in here. Okay. Uh, number three, Jesus initiated the conversation with the woman, which is totally taboo, because she's a woman by herself in public. Jesus, being a Jew, wasn't going to talk to a Samaritan anyway. If it was, if if he was any other Jew, it wouldn't have happened. Amen. He wouldn't have said two words to her. Amen. But it's Christ. He knows the heart of every man and woman. Amen. Man and woman. There's still those things, okay? I don't care what society says. There's men and there's women. <laughs> Come on. She, uh, and then she plays the culture card on Jesus. Well, how is it that you, being a Jew, are going to talk to me, Samaritan woman? <laughs> First of all, God's not bound up by your cultural problems, okay? God is not a Jew, um, Christ came and took on the form of flesh and Christ was a Jew but God eternal the eternal son of God was not a Jew okay he always existed before he took on that Jewish flesh he always existed with the father John 1 and 1 in the beginning was the word the word was with God and the word was God amen so Jesus isn't bound by this cultural issue Okay, and then we talked about <laughs> how he said, if you knew the gift of God, and immediately I thought, the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Now, I don't know if Jesus thought that because he'd already said it. You know what I mean? But I'm just saying it would have been great. If that's what Jesus was thinking. That's what I thought about as soon as he said. If you knew the gift of God and who it was that's offering this to you. Okay? If, if you knew the person that was saying, give me a drink. That makes me caution you that the Bible says that we are to be kind and, and do good and serve others. Because we never know. We could be entertaining angels. Unaware. Now, the Hebrew word for angel, anybody know what it is? 
Tell them, Kyle. The Hebrew word for angel, Elohim. It's used all throughout the Old Testament to refer to angels. Almost over and over. Okay? It's used to talk about God. It's used to talk about angels. It's used to talk about servants. Same word. It's kind of like English. You can be a guy, or you can be a dude, or you can be a man. But it's all the same thing, right? <laughs> Let's just say it, okay? But no, this word, if he was speaking Hebrew, okay? Now, the, 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 the Greek word for angel, you can tell me that, right? Angelos, right. That's probably... Probably the word he would have used if he was talking Greek. Now, we don't know that uh, he was speaking Greek to this woman. They spoke Aramaic. They spoke Greek was a common language in that vicinity. Koine in Greek to be exact. And they also sp spoke Hebrew. But we got to understand too, when they spoke Hebrew, it's like they speak Hebrew today. Do you know that most Jews speak Hebrew at temple? And then whatever language everybody else speaks outside of temple. That's what they do today, right now. You went to a Jewish service today, you wouldn't understand 90% of it because it would be all spoken in Hebrew. That's how they do it. But outside of there, they're going to talk like you and me. Amen? Even in America. You go to an American Jewish synagogue, and they're going to speak Hebrew in the service. And then... They're going to talk English out here. So we can't just assume that they were speaking English, or you know, speaking Hebrew. They could have been speaking Greek. They could have been speaking Aramaic, which was another common language. Amen? But irregardless, he said, if you knew who it was that was saying this to you, Jesus is setting up her next question because he knows what's in the heart of every person, right? Her very next question is going to be, are you greater than our father Jacob? <laughs> well, yes. Yes, I am. <laughs> Amen? Come on. We're going to get there. That's what I titled today's message, Greater Than Jacob. Because this lady goes through a transition of thought. She first says, are you greater than Jacob? And then she says, I perceive that you're a prophet. And then when he tells her all things, she says, I heard when Messiah comes. There you go. She finally got there, right? Now she knows who it is that offers. Amen? Now she knows who it is that asked her for a drink. But we're not there yet. And I want to get ahead of myself. The next thing we noted, we noted that the very giver of eternal life stood before this woman. The one who was speaking to her was the one who could give her eternal life. This living water, this living water, when he says, uh, out of, he says, the one who drinks this water will thirst again, but the water I give him, okay? She's, he said, if you knew the gift of God and who it was, you would ask him and he would give you living water. This living water would have been reminiscent to her of, of Numbers chapter, what did I write down? 20, verse 8 through 11. Where Moses 
smote the rock and the water came out in the wilderness to provide water for the people of Israel in the desert, right? Jesus is the provision. Jesus is the only provision. And that's where we ended last week. This living water is the provision for eternal life. There's only one place to get it. There's only one well to draw from. There's only one way to get to heaven. Amen. And if you don't come by the way of the gate, Jesus said anybody who doesn't come in the gate is a thief and a robber. Amen. So that's all last week. Now you're set up for this week. Amen. Now, I, I focused on this because I thought I was going to get a lot farther this week when I was doing my study. But when I started reading verse 11, 12, 13, and 14, I went, oh, I'm not going any farther than that. Because that right there is a mouthful. Okay? So this woman, after having asked all this, and Jesus said, if you knew who it was to ask you to give me a drink, thou would have asked him and he would have given thee living water. This woman does what most of us would have done. She starts defending the things she knows. The woman said unto him, Sir, thou hast nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. From whence then hast thou that living water? Where is this living water going to come from? I wrote a note down here from the Reformation Study Bible. It says of verse 11, like the Jews and Nicodemus before her, the Samaritan woman misunderstands the key terms that Jesus uses in his answer. Remember the Jews? They misunderstood him. Let's go look at this. Go to uh, verse, uh, let's see, chapter 2, verse 19. John chapter 2. We've already read this, but we're going to go look at it again. Verse 19, okay? And Jesus answered and said unto them, Destroy this temple, and in three days I will rise it up, or raise it up. And the Jews said to him, Forty-six years was this temple building. Wilt thou, will thou rear it up in three days? You see how they totally misunderstood what he was talking about? This woman does the exact same thing. Jesus is speaking of spiritual things, and all she can think of is earthly things. Amen? Now, how many times do we do that on a daily basis? Amen? How many times is God trying to tell us, hey, I want to do this with you, not, hey, I want to do that with you? And, and all you're thinking about is natural things. Amen? I can tell you one thing. Two years ago when I knew that I knew that I knew that I knew, God said, get out of Cessna. you got to leave. you got to go. you got to move. Right now, get out of there. I can tell you, for a whole month, my wife and I argued about how it was ignorant, how it was crazy, how naturally it didn't make no sense for our household to go from $55,000 a year to $27,000 a year. But God. We can't think of it naturally. And I remember the last conversation we had about it before we decided that's what we're going to do. We're going to do exactly what God wants us to do. We're going to leave. The last conversation, I would, I had spent the whole week at work crying my face off while I'm building airplanes, which is dangerous. I really hope 
those planes was built right, okay? I'm just saying. But I remember coming home that Wednesday, and we had had a conversation the day before about how, you know, it just doesn't make any sense. We couldn't afford it. Financially, it didn't make any sense. You know, what, what were we going to do? And I came home, and I said, look, I know all of the reasons why we shouldn't do it, okay? But I'm telling you, we can't afford not to do it. There's more at stake than our financial future. Amen. Seven months after we, after I left Cessna and we started helping other churches with their projects and helped the church in Africa get their building, seven months, we got this building. That's how God works. But it didn't make sense. So if you're looking for everything that God tells you to make sense, you're not reading the Bible the way I'm reading the Bible. You're not reading the Bible the way the Bible's written. <laughs> this woman was stuck right here. She said, you have no bucket and the well is deep. Where are you going to get this living water? First of all, she thought Jesus, because he didn't have a bucket, since she's stuck in the natural, she's like, you don't have a bucket. How are you going to get down there to the water? And this, this girl didn't understand that she was the one without the bucket. She didn't understand that she didn't have a way to draw from eternal life. That she was lost and undone. She thought that her religion would save her, which is what she goes into next week. We're going to talk about that. Well, not next week, the week after that when I come back. We're going to talk about that because she said, well, you Jews say over there on that mountain is where we worship. And, and, and we believe over here on this mountain is where we worship. And Jesus is going to quickly tell her, hey, there's coming a day when it's not going to be about that mountain or any other mountain. It's not about where you worship. It's about who you worship. Can I get an amen? Amen. amen. That's why church, we didn't get this building so we could have church. We was already having church for two and a half years before we got this building. Amen. We got this building because God has a bigger plan than just church. Can I get an amen on that? She didn't realize that she needed a bucket. Not only that, she didn't even know where the well was that she needed to draw from. Which is why Jesus said, if you knew the gift of God and the one who asked thee, give me a drink. Okay, now, here's the big deal. If God come in and say, hey, angel, will you give me a drink? <laughs> You're going to be like, I'm going to see angel run down the hall as fast as she could to get a bottle of water, come back. It's going to look like the streak, okay? But if just some old dude comes in here and she don't know who it is, say, hey, woman, give me a drink. She's going to look at him and be like, hmm. Hmm. Uh, hmm. That's probably all he'll get. Hmm. Okay. Look, I loud. I do the same thing. Some woman come in here and say, "Hey, Kevin, give me a drink." I'm like, "Okay." Like, you know what I mean? Like some stranger. Okay. That's kind of weird question. Just walk up and ask somebody, "Give me a drink." Isn't it? It's not. I mean, that's not really normal. Okay. Right, right. 
Well, apparently they brought their own buckets to this well. It didn't have one tied up to it like we saw in the old westerns, you know. <laughs> oh, goodness. Jesus didn't waste any time. He said, give me a drink. In John chapter 7, verse 37 through 39, Jesus bids us to come to him, all who are thirsty. And in Revelation 22 and 1, we see that the waters of the river of life flow from the very throne of God. And then we see in Revelation 22, verse 17, where Jesus again says, Come, all who thirst, and drink of the water of life freely. Amen? My question, because we're not really done with the well, okay? We're not going to be done with the well. We're not going to be done with this living water until we're done with this encounter with this woman, okay? But right now, we're talking about her second question, her second uh, uh, reasoning to Jesus. Are you greater than our father Jacob? While she is focused on the physical water and the physical thirst, Jesus intends to show her her spiritual need for the waters of eternal life. The main point of her question is this, and this is the title of the message. Are you greater than our father Jacob, who gave us this well, who drank from it himself and his sons and their cattle? Now, I want to uh, give a caveat here. There's no biblical record of Jacob digging this well. There's no biblical record of Jacob giving the well to his kids, okay? Now, with that being said, Jesus doesn't, Jesus doesn't argue with these points, does he? Jesus doesn't go, oh, that ain't true. Jacob didn't have this well. So I will not get into semantics with people who go, that isn't even Jacob's well. Jesus didn't argue that it wasn't Jacob's well. Jesus didn't even argue that Jacob dug the well. Jesus didn't argue that Jacob drank from the well or his sons drunk from the well or their cattle drunk from the well. So in all, for all intents and purposes, this may not be scripture that Jacob gave this, but this is definitely a fact. We know one thing for sure. There's a well there. <laughs> Can we say that? Right? There's a well there. We know that for sure. Okay? And Jesus. Jesus did not argue that it was not Jacob's well. And Jesus didn't argue that Jacob didn't drink it. So it's assumed that Jesus knew this was Jacob's well. Matter of fact, the way it's written, I want to read it to you again so you get it, okay? Just, just, just bear with me for a second, okay? Therefore, when Jesus knew how the Pharisees had heard that Jesus made and baptized many more disciples than John, though Jesus himself did not baptize but his disciples, he left Judea and departed again unto Galilee. He must needs go through Samaria. Then cometh to the city of Samaria called Sychar, okay, near the parcel of ground that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. Now this is John writing this, okay. Now Jacob's well was there. Period. The text. John the Apostle says it's Jacob's well. He names it Jacob's well. He doesn't argue the fact that this isn't Jacob's well. So I'm going to assume that what this woman says is true. Jacob dug the well. He drank from the well. 
His sons drank from the well and their cattle drank from the well. Can I get an amen? I mean, listen, it's clear as day to me. John says it's the Jacob's well. Jesus doesn't argue that it isn't Jacob's well, so I'm assuming what this woman's saying is true. It's still irrelevant. <laughs> it's irrelevant, but it's true. Because her question is not about the well. Her question is, are you greater than our father Jacob? You know, Jacob, who wrestled with God, Jacob, who had a dream and saw angels ascending and descending on a ladder to heaven, that Jacob, the one who gets called Israel, the one who bears 12 sons who are the 12 tribes of Israel, that Jacob, the patriarch of the entire Jewish people, that Jacob. This is the Jacob we're talking about. Israel. First of all, who is Jacob? Jacob is Israel. God chose Jacob, Genesis 25, 23. God loved Jacob, Malachi 1, 1 through 3. Romans 9, 13. Jacob I have loved, Esau I have hated. Jacob was the younger and the older was going to serve the younger before they were even born. This is that Jacob. Amen. This is the same Jacob who wrestled. Now, it says a man. Okay? If you go to Genesis chapter 32, 24 through 28, it says he wrestles with a man. I'm going to turn there just because, okay? I saw other people turn there. I thought, uh-oh, they're going to go check my work. Better go look. Make sure I'm right. Verse 24. And Jacob was left alone, and there wrestled a man with him until the breaking of the day. And when he saw that he prevailed not against him, he touched the hollow of his thigh. And the hollow of Jacob's thigh was out of joint as he wrestled him. And he said, Let me go, for the day breaketh. And he said, I will not let thee go, except thou bless me. And he said unto him, What is thy name? And he said, Jacob. And he said, thy name shall be called no more Jacob, but Israel. For as a prince, thou hast power with God and with men and hast prevailed. And Jacob asked him and said, tell me, I pray thee thy name. And he said, wherever it is that thou dost ask me for my name, he blessed him there. And Jacob called the name of that place Penel. I have seen God face to face and my life is preserved this is that Jacob now it says a man but the name Israel means come on somebody tell me what it means y'all know what it means he who wrestled with God amen now how are you going to get a name he who wrestles with God but you was wrestling with a man Now, we know elsewhere in Scripture, the Bible says, Jesus said, no one has seen, no, it wasn't Jesus, it was John chapter 1, wasn't it? No one has seen God face to face except the only begotten, right? So we got to understand, if he didn't see God face to face, who did he see? You remember that word that was in the beginning with God, was God, 
That word, all throughout the Old Testament, there's things that happen like the burning bush. The Bible doesn't say, and the Lord God spoke from the midst of the burning bush. It says that the angel of the Lord, or the image, he is the express image of the invisible God. Christ wrestled with Jacob. <laughs> now, I want to clear up this Jacob story because a lot of people think that Jacob was overpowering the angel, okay? Jacob was a hundred years old almost, okay? This dude wasn't wrestling nobody with any kind of force, okay? Let's just be real, okay? Jacob was persistent and would not let go. <laughs> and the guy, that man touched his side. First of all, that proves it's not just a man, okay? He touched his side and all of us joint went out. How you do it? I can't do that. Can you do that? No. That's why he, he even names the place. I have seen God face to face and lived. Amen. This is that Jacob. I went back and I read the story of Jacob's ladder just preparing for this. Genesis 28 10 through 19, in case you want the notes. I'm not going there to read that. But Jacob saw this ladder stretched from heaven to earth and angels ascending and descending on this ladder. And I want to tell you something, okay? Turn with me, if you will, to John 1. Flip back over to John chapter 1 because I'm going to show you something that you may have missed when we read this the first time because we've been in John for quite a while and you know you may have forgot by now Jesus is meeting with Nathaniel amen verse 48 let's start there Nathaniel said unto him whence thou knowest me Jesus answered and said unto him before Philip called thee when thou was under the fig tree, I saw thee. Now I want you to notice that Jesus here is trying to show Nathaniel, I'm not just a guy. I'm not just a teacher. I'm not just a rabbi. I'm God who sees all things, who knows all things. It speaks of his deity. He said, I saw you when you were over there under that fig tree. And Nathaniel had to have known, well, Jesus wasn't anywhere around. How did he know I was under a fig tree? Well, now watch this. Nathaniel answered and said unto him, Rabbi, thou art the Son of God. Thou art the King of Israel. Jesus answered and said unto him, Because I say unto you, I saw thee under the fig tree, believest thou? Thou shalt see greater things than these. And he said unto him, Very, very, I say unto you, hence hereafter ye shall see heaven open and angels of God ascending and descending upon the Son of God. How about that? Not only did Jesus wrestle with Jacob, but Jesus was the latter in Jacob's vision. Try that on for size. So Jesus already knew Jacob. Jesus visited Jacob in a dream. And now here's Jesus standing at Jacob's well being asked by this Samaritan woman, are you greater 
than our father Jacob. <laughs> yes. Yes, I am. <laughs> Amen? Now, he doesn't answer it like that. But he gets there. He takes a roundabout approach where this woman goes through transitions of thought until she comes to an understanding that he's the Messiah. Since Jesus is God, this is who Jacob wrestled with. Is Jacob, is Jesus greater than Jacob? Yes. Philippians 2.9 says that he's been given the name that is above every name. That at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow and every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is the Lord to the glory of God the Father. Matthew 28 and 18, Jesus speaking to his disciples, giving the great commission. He said, all power, all authority in heaven and earth has been given unto me. How much power? How much authority? All. I don't know what, what other translation you have for the word all, but it means everything, right? So there's nothing, nothing that's greater than Christ. Philippians 2.9, excuse me, 2.9. If I said 19, I was wrong, okay? Philippians 2.9. Sometimes I get excited looking at my paper, okay? I'll go make sure I'm right. Yep, that's it. 2, 9, 10, and 11. Philippians 2, 9, 10, and 11. Acts chapter 4, verse 12, Peter says that there's no other name under heaven and earth whereby men must be saved. Amen? Revelation 22, verse 12 through 13, Jesus says, I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last. Now, if you go back and read Revelation 1, and you go to Revelation 1, 8, 1, 11, 1, 17, it seems as if God is the one talking when he says, I am Alpha and I am Omega. So Jesus, at the end of this book of Revelation, ties himself to the beginning of Revelation where it seems as though God is speaking and then suddenly the Son of God shows up talking to, to John. People seem to think that this is two, two different things and it could be the Father speaking first and the Son speaking next. But guess what? They're both God. They're one. Inseparable. That's the Trinity. We don't believe in three gods. We believe in one God in three persons. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Or if you're real Pentecostal, the Holy Ghost, okay? That, that didn't even get a laugh, okay? That's messed up. That's funny. That's funny, okay? Now watch this. This is the, this is the, <laughs> this is the, this is the highlight for me of this whole part. Because her question, her question is, are you greater than our father Jacob, who dug the well, who drank from the well, his sons and their cattle, right? Jesus doesn't even answer this question outright. Are you greater than our father Jacob? What does he do? He says, if anybody drinks the water from old Jacob's well here, they're going to get thirsty again. 
He said, if anybody drinks this water, they're going to thirst again. But if you drink the water that I give you, woo! So is he answering the question? Yeah, but he didn't just come out and say it. He's getting her to think about his answer. Amen? So often we want to just throw an answer out there. And what we need to do is we need to say it in a way that people's going to go, huh, let me mull on that for a minute. They might even get mad at you and go, I don't know what these what passages, he didn't even really answer my question. He just said this. And then later on you're going to go, well, that's what he meant. Right? You ever done that? I've done that just reading books. Okay? Later on, get mad when I read, oh, I don't believe all that. And then I read it, think about it. Pray about it. A couple weeks later, I'm like, you know what? That guy might have been on to something. Now this woman says, are you greater than Jacob? And Jesus just says, hey, whoever drinks this water, they're going to thirst again. I want to read a quote for you from Charles Spurgeon. The Spurgeon Study Bible. It says, Jesus said, everyone who drinks from this water will get thirsty again. All things that are of earth are unsatisfactory. Our spirits crave for something more than time and sense can yield. Even if it should yield a transient satisfaction, it cannot maintain its excellence long. Pointing to the water of Jacob's well, our Lord said, Everyone who drinks from this water will get thirsty again. And therein he took up his parable against all earthly things, whether it's fame or riches or fleshly pleasures or anything else beneath the sun. Whoever drinks at these shallow wells will not quench their thirst, but will be a thirst. If for a time he gives uh, if, he, if for a time he imagines that he has done so, he will be deceived. And in a little season, the old craving will return. Waters from his own cistern may stay a man's desire for a while, but before long, he will thirst again. Charles Spurgeon had something right there. That's exactly what Jesus is saying. You drink from this well, it will not satisfy you. You're going to thirst again. But if you drink from the water that I give you. Now the problem is this woman doesn't understand that spiritually she's thirsty. What this woman doesn't understand is spiritually she's broken and lost and has need of living water. Not just living water that's running, because that's what we call living water. Living water is not a lake or a pond. It's moving, flowing water, right? Like a river. It's living water. The ocean moves, circulates. Amen? But it's not an earthly understanding of living water. He's telling her of eternal life. And she doesn't get it. And so often we make the... We make the, 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 the clarion call of the gospel and we think it falls on deaf ears and sometimes it does, but sometimes it just falls on ears that are thinking about earthly things. That's exactly why. That's exactly why the prosperity gospel is so, so tantalizing. 
Because if I tell you you can have all the wealth and all the money and all the cars and all the... If I tell you you can have all that, then you'll come to church. And that's why it's so received so well by people. Because they want those things. But when you tell them Jesus' words where he said, Store not up for yourself treasure on earth where moth and rust can eat where, and corrupt and where thieves can break in and steal. But store for yourself treasure in heaven where moth and rust cannot destroy, where thieves cannot break in and steal. Jesus did not say, oh, you guys, when you get saved, you're just going to have the most cushiest, wonderful life because you're going to walk in this authority that you're going to walk over every situation and you're never going to have a problem. And you know, if the, if the old devil comes after you, all you're going to be able to do is say, oh, this and that, and you're going to go, you got to go away because uh, Jesus said so. Nope. Jesus said, in this world, you will have tribulation. I don't want you to misunderstand me. Does, does Christ help and preserve and keep his own? Sure he does. But he doesn't walk you around the fire, people. He walks you right through the fire. Okay? He doesn't go, he doesn't go, oh, we're, we're, uh, I want you guys to, to watch the weather. And when it's safe, get in the boat and go to the other side and I'll meet you there. Jesus sent them to the other side of the lake full well knowing that that storm was coming. How do I know that? Go read Paul. Paul was on a ship bound for Rome to die. Angel of the Lord showed up to Paul and said, Paul, fear not, the ship's going to wreck, but nobody's going to die. You know how many Pentecostal people would have been trying to talk God out of that one right there? Lord, but you said, oh, oh, no weapon formed against me shall prosper. You said that. Do you understand that verse when it's talking about no weapon formed against me shall prosper? It's talking about tongues that rise up against you. It's talking about people with false accusations. It's not talking about, come on, somebody. we got to understand God did not. God did not do anything with Joseph until after he was thrown in a well, till after he went to prison, till after he was a slave. Seventeen years elapsed. Daniel thrown in the lion's den. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego thrown in the fiery furnace. Your Lord and Savior crucified, dead, and buried. And you think you can get away from all this trouble and all these problems? No. No, no. Yeah. Jesus said in Luke, except a man renounce everything he has and follow me, he cannot be my disciple. It's so far removed from the gospel that we hear on TV, it's unbelievable. But that doesn't mean God doesn't want to heal people. That doesn't mean God doesn't want to help pay bills or any of that. Amen? I'll pray with anybody about anything. I'm just telling you that you ain't promised fat, naked angel babies on fluffy clouds and harps, okay? First of all, cherubim don't look like that. They're scary. they got four faces, six wings, and eyes all over. That's what they look like. Michelangelo had to paint cherubims in a way that we could stomach because if he, 
If God really gave them a vision of what they looked like, we'd be terrified. Amen? Spurgeon was right. Jesus said, whoever drinks this water will not be satisfied. But whoever drinks the water that I give. I want you to notice his words and I want you to hang on them for the rest of the week, okay? Jesus answered and said unto her, whoever drinks this water will thirst again. Whoever drinks the water that I shall give him shall never thirst. But the water that I shall give him shall be in him a well of water springing up into eternal life. Now, next two weeks from now, you'll find out that this woman's still confused. Because she still doesn't get it. She's like, hold on a minute. Hold on a minute. Give me this water so I don't have to come back here to this well. You notice her focus is still on this well, okay? Y'all, you, you want to know why her focus is still on this well? The same reason your focus is still on you and what you can do and what you can uh, make happen instead of on God and what God can do and what God can make happen because you have been so used to trusting yourself. You have been so used to trusting the systems of the world. You've been so used to trusting your heritage or your, your, your genealogy or your traditions. And all of that has to be laid down in Christ. Every bit of it. Amen? That's what she was doing. This well was everything. This well was life. And she didn't understand there was more to life than this well. And there's so many people caught in problems, caught in situations, and they think all there is is this thing. And Jesus comes to set us free. The Bible says whom the Son sets free is free indeed. Not a little bit free. All the way free. Jesus didn't come just to answer one little simple question from this woman and, and, and meet some theological point. He didn't come down here just to, you know, parse words and go over the Torah and say, oh, well, you got this right, you got that right, you got this other thing right. He didn't even come down here to argue about wells. He came down here to reveal to her that he's the son of God and he came to save her. It's interesting that she, he, he said, go, go call your husband. Say what? I don't have a husband. You're right. You've had five. And the guy you're with now ain't your husband. Woo! Jesus read the mail. How many felt like that's what God did when you when when God found you? <laughs> Amen. He just read your mail. He might have drugged you all the way from Tennessee, but he read your mail. Amen? It don't matter where you come from. God is God. And when you really have an encounter with God, it really changes you. Because if you drink of this water, <laughs> you're never going to thirst again. So, the question, is Jesus greater than Jacob? 
good. I'm glad God, God better keep working on all of us. Can I get an amen? You realize the Bible says that he sustains all things. That means if God ever took a day off, the whole universe would just cease to exist because God sustains all things. That's you and me and everything else. Amen? Let's stand and we're going to pray. Father God, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the clarity of your word. Lord, we thank you that Jesus Christ came down to seek and to save lost sinners like us, to call us to repentance, to give us eternal life, to make in us a bride, a church without spot or blemish, Father God, we ask that you would help us to understand this. Lord, if there is no one, if, there, if there's someone here today or someone watching on Facebook who does not know you, who does not know Christ, God, I pray that this message would have convicted their heart, that they are sitting there now, God, wanting a relationship with you, being changed, being drawn by your spirit, being changed by the spirit of God being born again right at this very moment. God, I pray that those of us who are in this room who do know you, I pray, God, that you would help us to set our affections on you, to rightly follow you, to make our lives living epistles to you, to make our lives living sacrifices, holy and acceptable unto God. Because that is our reasonable service. Lord, you have given everything for us. You have done all that is necessary for us to have life and salvation and eternal life. You have done everything necessary that we can come freely to the waters of life and drink. Lord, I pray that you would help us to freely give what we have freely received. That we would love our brothers and sisters, that we would love our neighbors as ourselves, and that we would love you with all of our heart, soul, mind, and spirit. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.